Today, I'd like to kind of continue a, the series having to do with Messiah and talk really about the law. And because the law has a lot to do with Messiah. And so we want to follow the law of Messiah. And I, I couldn't help but think with that last song and just the, the desire to see us rejoice uh, when things are terrible. I was wondering if you would include that as to one of the laws of Messiah. I mean, we don't think of rejoicing as a law, but it's certainly in the New Covenant a number of times. Philippians 4, rejoice in the Lord always, and again, I say rejoice. any rate, so we're going to continue on this series. Just think about it. It's really not what I was going to talk about, but uh, look. I see the law of Messiah is to love God and love your neighbor. And we can see that in scripture. It's very easy. Matthew, you know, we see it in the Hebrew scriptures. We see it repeated by Yeshua when he was talking to the, uh, to the lawyer. I, I'm going to try not to be sarcastic about who asked him the question. But at uh, any rate. He said, teacher, what's the greatest commandment in the Torah? And so Yeshua said to him, you shall love Adonai your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And this is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. The entire Torah and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So... For all intents and purposes, that's the law of Messiah. And the reason we need to repent daily is because daily we break his law. It's just that simple. I don't know too many people who don't break his law daily. It's probably easier, well, no, it is. I was going to say it's easier to worship God than to, um, to love our neighbors, but uh, maybe not. Loving our neighbors is so difficult. We just have to look at one person. I, I, oh, I was talking to somebody this week, and I was saying, why don't you want prayer for whatever? I'm trying to keep this confidential, right? And they said, well, because when I mentioned it to somebody, they hurt me. They said that, this person was ignorant and said that, you know, they, and of course it was somebody in our congregation. <laughs> it wasn't like somebody in the moon or, you know, out in outer space. Uh, it's so hard. Look, certainly it, it, it's hard. Uh, certainly this is the truth of God's word but we're going to look at the law a little deeper than that. But we are going to start with Yochanan, John 1.14. And all of you know the scripture. It says, then the word became flesh and tabernacled among us. So if Yeshua is the word, 
if Yeshua is the word, it means from Genesis to Revelation is the instruction of Yeshua. And we looked upon his glory, the glory of the one and only from the Father, full of grace and truth. And so um, there we already see set up for us grace and truth. And we wrestle with those things. Well, it's the truth. Are you pouring out grace? Uh, well, yeah, but this is the truth. Okay, we get it. The word Torah usually is translated law. But most of you probably know that it also means teaching or instruction. And so uh, it's interesting when you start substituting the word instruction for law in, in Scripture. Um, and, and this actually creates, uh, I was just speaking to somebody about how Scripture translation can be difficult um, because a word can mean a few different things. And this word Torah is used 220 times in the Tanakh, in, in the Hebrew scriptures. So what is the law? Well, in modern day thinking, uh, the Torah usually refers to the five books of Moses, the first five books. On occasion, Torah can actually mean the entire Hebrew scriptures. On occasion, Torah could refer to just the Ten Commandments, or it could be describing the 613 laws. So take your pick. A law is the system of rules which normally would be enforced by penalties. I took a simple definition. And I think biblical law or instruction, as I said, often refers to the 613 laws in the Hebrew scripture. By the way, there's, there's over a thousand in the New Covenant. But at any rate, Maimonides was born in 1138, a Torah scholar, and he wrote a list of these laws of the 613. He categorized them. And, and most Jewish people refer to his list as being the list, right? And, but whether you call it law or instruction, either way, God's word says that you have to follow him with your heart. Whether it's law or whether it's instruction, whatever it is, it has to be a heart thing. And so we see in 1 uh, John 5, 3, it says that commandments are not burdensome. The reason is because we're not forced to do commandments. We are forced to obey God with our heart. And so if we can't do something with our heart, probably still is better to do it, but, but I don't think... God sees it quite the same way. There are three types of laws or instructions in the Hebrew Scriptures. The first one's called ceremonial law. That includes worship. Um, but it also is, it, it, it really talks about how to receive right standing with God. So it would include sacrifices and atonement and uh, celebrating the appointed times of Moedim. Uh, 
dietary restrictions, keeping kosher, uh, something that points uh, to Messiah uh, in the area of worship. So even dietary uh, kosher laws were originated uh, so that the people could be separated from the pagans. Secondly, there's what is called the moral instruction, and that relates to justice and judgment. And the purpose is for the people's welfare, uh, making sure they are uh, not only just, but they're respectful, uh, they uh, have pure sexual conduct, they know the Ten Commandments. By the way, I was thinking about the Ten Commandments the other day and thinking about how few of them we keep. That's another thing to repent about. Um, but just go over the Ten Commandments sometime and realize how difficult it is if we're looking at our heart. Oh, oh yeah, hey, we as believers, we have a good outside, a, an exterior that looks like we're doing everything right, maybe. But, um, but inside, in your heart, you know, we, I can't judge your heart. Only you can judge your heart. You need to look. Thirdly, um, there's the civil instruction. Now, the, it's interesting. The third concept of civil instruction is more of a Christian look at a law, the, the law, than Jewish look. Because in, in the Jewish mindset, the uh, civil laws and the moral laws were one because they fe felt that anything civilly, they had a responsibility. So whether it was things like, uh, you know, uh, the uh, how to rescue the neighbor's trapped donkey and stuff like that, um, Jewish people see it all as one while um, the Christian scholars seem to separate those things out. Um, I personally... Uh, I know I get into trouble when I talk about the law, uh, especially in one area, uh, which I'll be talking about shortly. So I'm just letting you know, um, because uh, my viewpoint of the law um, can be a little different than other people's viewpoints of the law. Um, but. Before I get to that, there, there are some things in the Hebrew scriptures that are clearly law-oriented that are mentioned in the New Covenant. For instance, in Deuteronomy 25.4, it says, do not muzzle an ox. And then later we see applications in 1 Timothy, which says, uh, 5.18, you shall not muzzle the ox while he's threshing, and the worker is worthy of his wage. So there... Generally, when we see something applied from the Hebrew scriptures, uh, there is an expansion in the new covenant. And this is an example of that. Yeshua even says in Matthew 10.10, the worker is entitled to his food. So this is part of the instructions to his disciples in terms of going out. But one of the principles we find concerning the law and the truth is that it must be established by at least two witnesses. We see it again in Deuteronomy 19.15. A single witness shall not rise up against a person, uh, but by two or three witnesses a case is established. We see it in 2 Corinthians 13.1. This is the third time I'm coming to you. 
by the testimony of two or three witnesses shall every word be established. So we see that God's word, whether it's called law or instruction or however it is, uh, it's, it's, it's a book so that we understand how to live as believers. And the believer, through the Spirit, keeps the righteousness, righteous requirements of those instructions. And we see this in Romans 8, 3, and 4. And I love this scripture. I don't know how many of you have spent a little time just thinking about these two verses, Romans 8, 3, and 4. But it, it, is, it really says a lot, and we, we're not going to go deep into it. But for what was impossible for the Torah, since it was weakened on account of the flesh, so our flesh actually weakened what God instructed us to do because we weren't able to do it. Well, God took care of it. God is done. Sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and as a sin offering, he condemned sin in the flesh so that the requirement of the Torah, of the law, of the instruction might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Ruach, to the Spirit. And so we need to walk with the Spirit moment by moment, day to day. Our reliance on the Ruach is what allows us to follow God's law and his instruction. If we're not in God's word, it will be hard to follow God's instruction. It'll be hard to be led by the Holy Spirit. Now, one of the things when I talk about, I'm not, uh, hopefully I'm not in trouble yet, but we're coming there. Just stay awake. Coming, we're getting there. But there are some people, you know, if you say you're messianic, what's one of the first things they say? Do you believe you're saved by the law? Do you still follow the law? Are you still under the law? Oh, that's the, yeah. Are you still under the law? So let me be perfectly clear here. God's salvation is a free gift. End of sentence. Romans 6, 23, for sin's payment is death, but God's gracious gift is eternal life in Messiah Yeshua, our Lord. We don't do anything to get this gift. It's gift. Now, we do something as a result of the gift, but we don't do anything to get it. Ephesians 2.8, for by grace you have been saved through faith. It's, this is not from yourselves. It's a gift of God. And Galatians 3.11, it is clear that no one is set right before God by Torah, for the righteous shall live by emunah, faith. If you think that emunah is a word that sounds familiar to you, it's because we call the building across the parking lot Beit Emunah, House of Faith, okay? Just thought I'd throw that in. Many, uh, so w one of the interesting things about the law is, and now we'll look a little more deeply into it, is that uh, we get a law, but we don't get the details on how to follow it. So let me give you an example of that. When you read a scripture about Shabbat, the Sabbath, we are told to not work on the Sabbath. 
But where in the Bible does it say what work is? Which means it's up to every single person to figure it out on their own. Rabbis didn't care for that. And so they did something where they made rules that were more stringent than God's laws. And the reason they did that is because if you follow more stringent rules of man, you'll never break God's laws. And the idea was called putting a fence around the law. And so you might ask, and, and by the way, you'll find a lot of this in the Talmud, which is the commentary on Scripture. And so as an example, uh, if you say, well, shopping, can I shop on the Sabbath? Well, you can point to a couple scriptures that talk about exchanging money on the Sabbath. I don't think they're quite as relevant as many people use it to be, but that's where the discussion comes in. And that's why you and I disagree sometimes, or all the time, or whenever. <laughs> now, um, an example of this, for instance, uh, the very Orthodox Jews believe that in the kosher laws, it says, which I don't agree with, by the way, that you should not use uh, a mix meat and milk. And so part of the putting the fence around the Torah means separate refrigerators, separate plates and dishes. Um, that way, there's no possibility of the separate dishwasher. That way, there's no possibility. What? Yeah, different, different sinks. Um, yeah, so that way, there's no possibility in breaking the law of mixing meat and milk. You know, um, okay, well, we'll, 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 we'll talk about that sometime. Sorry, Facebook people. Uh, so another example would be in Israel, many or most of the elevators, but many of the elevators on Shabbat, you don't press what floor you want to go to. It's a, it's a local elevator on Shabbat. It stops at every floor. Because pushing the button would be work. And yeah, fire is the same thing, right? Exactly, that's part of it as well. Uh, creating a fire. You can't kindle a fire. And so this is part of it. Uh, this is called putting a fence around the Torah. I, I have a hard enough time with the Torah. Putting a fence around it is really going to be difficult. I think Yeshua actually addressed this in Matthew 15, 3. He said to them, why do you also tr transgress the commandment of God for the sake of your traditions? You know, I think to many people, the traditions became more important than what God actually said. Now, this is not what was intended when they did this, but this is just what happened. Um, 
you know, in Matthew 23, 4 and 5, it says, uh, Yeshua speaking about uh, the uh, Sadducees and the, the Pharisees, they tie up heavy loads, hard to carry, and lay them on men's shoulders. But they themselves aren't willing to lift a finger to move them. All their works they do to be noticed by men. They make their tefillin wide and their tzitzit long. The tzitzit, or that's the plural of tzitzit, which uh, refers to the fringes. The tefillin is what Jewish people, uh, religious Jewish people certainly, use for morning and evening prayer. It's, uh, they wrap uh, a strap on their arm, and then they have a box that is uh, placed at their forehead with scripture. And so this is um, what tefillin refers to. Again, my point is this. God is looking at our heart. Now, so let me make a few quick points. Uh, I haven't gotten into trouble yet. Where, where is my trouble? Oh, is it coming later? Oh, yes, it's coming later. Yes, it's coming later. So um, why don't you look at the inserts that you have, which might not be inserts if you don't have it, uh, because we're not going to use PowerPoint anymore, so Terry, you can relax. Um, we're going to use the inserts here, and I'm not going to read all of this with you, but I just want to point out a few things. So if you look at the page that says, the law points to Messiah, uh, what, uh, the law points to Messiah, so you're going to see um, six ideas of why the law points to Yeshua as Messiah. So it ha has to do with the moral and civil laws and, and the tabernacle and the sacrifice and, and priests anticipate Yeshua's priestly function. You can read these on your own. You can think about them. The penalties in the law anticipate Yeshua's judgments which is an interesting thing to think about. Uh, and the commandments concerning occupying the promised land have a lot to do with entering the kingdom of God and, and the blessings we have in Yeshua. Then uh, below that, I have the purposes of God's instruction. Now, what my point is this, or one of my points, is that all of Scripture, to me, is God's law. I, I mean, even beyond the 613 laws, when God writes something in his word, there's a reason for it. And it's my job to figure out what it is. What's the reason? How can I apply it to my life? If it's a story, how can I apply the moral of the story to my life? Whatever it is, even if it's a poem or whatever, however it is, it's important for us to figure out what God is trying to say. So, number one, he reveals his character to us. That's one of the purposes of his word or the law, and you can read the scriptures. The Torah is our guide. In other words, it's, it's, it shows us how to live. Number three, it shows us who the one true God is. It also shows us that we as believers, formerly Israel, but we now as believers, which... Uh, we can talk about spiritual Israel, um, but we are to be a distinct people. And one of the things we, we talked about, um, not us, but with somebody here this morning, they were talking about 
the idea of the ap appearance of evil, and we were talking about whether that actually is in the scriptural verse. And to me, it doesn't matter whether it's in the verse, because the concept here is that we are a distinct people, and we are to be s separate. We, we have a, we are, we are to be separate unto God. And so we don't need to argue about a word or two in Scripture when we see an entire concept of God's Word so clearly. So the Torah also teaches us about sin. It defines sin. It shows us sin. It, it shows us how to overcome sin. I mean, when we read the, if you would just accept for me, uh, from me for a second that, that uh, rejoicing is a, is a commandment and, and that it is part of God's law, and, and if you want to know how to overcome the sadness you feel and because you're not able to rejoice, just read the Psalms of David. I mean, that's his, all, most of his Psalms are geared to that, to rejoicing, to overcoming, to you know, this is, this is who we are as a people. We are overcomers. Number six, the Torah provides us tremendous blessings. Seven, provides us wisdom. Uh, eight, uh, pro provides us atonement. Uh, uh, nine, to, provides us a way to worship God, especially during Moedim, the appointed times. Ten, provides God's direction for physical and spiritual health as, as a nation. 11, Torah reveals to us the, needy, the need for and the reality of Messiah. And I'll look at one scripture. I don't think, well, actually, uh, let's look at Acts 13, 38, and 39. You see, it's about the fifth scripture down under 11. Therefore, let it be known to you, brothers, that through this one, through Yeshua, is proclaimed to you the removal of sins, including all those from which you could not be set right by the Torah of Moses. Through this one, Yeshua, everyone who keeps trusting is made righteous. Now, I realize many people have different translations, and... One of the things that the TLV does is it, it puts a very active form to the word trusting, and so you won't see probably in most scriptures the words keeps trusting, but I believe that it is sound, and I also believe the concept is sound, and that is that God is requiring us to keep trusting. This is one of our, our callings. This is one of the things that God is requiring us to do. It is one of the hardest things to do. But it is because when difficult things happen to us, we immediately say, where's God? Why is this happening? But God is saying, trust, trust, keep trusting, because it allows you to be righteous. So it's not about the situation. God is looking for you to be holy as he is holy. He's looking for you to be righteous as he is righteous. And what constitutes righteousness is the ability to trust the Lord in every regard.
So one of the questions that you'll see here uh, is, is instruction fr uh, from the Hebrew scriptures, you know, is the law uh, different for Jews and Gentiles? Okay, so this is where I get into trouble. I disagree with the Messianic movement. I'm just letting you know. Um, the Messianic movement would say that the law is for Jewish people and not for Gentiles. And I just disagree with that. So um, we can all argue later, preferably with me, rather than yourselves, because people will get upset. But I will tell you a couple reasons why. Number one, if you look under Shabbat, Exodus 29 through 10, 23, 12, and I wrote out 29 through 10, it says you are to work six days and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Shabbat to Adonai your God. In it you shall not do any work, not you nor your son, your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, your cattle, nor the outsider that is within your gates. I would say that's everybody. And it, but it, it doesn't happen just once in Scripture. It happens continuously. Yom Kippur, Leviticus 20, uh, 16, 29. It is to be a statute to you forever. How long? Forever, right? That in the seventh month, on the tenth day of the month, you are to afflict your souls, do no kind of work, both the native-born and the outsider dwelling among you. So the way I see this is anybody dwelling with believers, Jewish believers, believers, anybody who's dwelling should be under the same requirements, my opinion. It says the same thing for Sukkot, which is not written there, but trust me. Uh, it says the same thing for Shavuot. Then it says, look a little further down, the foreigner is included in many scriptures, and I mentioned a few, and let's look at Deuteronomy 31.12. Gather the people, the men and women and little ones and the outsider within your town gates, so that you may, and so on. So you see there the outsider, but the scripture that really gets to me is Exodus 12.49. The same Torah applies to the native as well as the outsider who dwells among you. To me, that's really clear. Now, why am I telling you that I disagree with the Messianic movement? Because that sounds rebellious. But the thing is, I am part of the Messianic movement. I am part of the NJAA, and we don't have to agree on everything. Because if we did, I wouldn't be a part of anything because nobody I know agrees with me on everything. And it would be so hard to find a group to be part of. So we have to understand that groups are made up of people and people are not perfect. And so either I'm wrong or they're wrong. And you know what? It's okay. I can live with that. I, and I think this is really important when we're talking about the law and how we speak about the law to other people. 
because the fact that it says law means there's no wiggle room. I like the word instruction. It probably means the same thing. There's no wiggle room. But for me, my head says that there's a little bit. And because I don't want to break laws. Though I have been known to go over 55. But, you know, I have one of those. I, I, I got this new car insurance. And they said they would reduce my price uh, price if I got one of these a little, uh, I don't know what they're called, they're electronic things, and you actually attach it to the bottom of, uh, to your car, and it figures out whether you're a safe driver or not. Boy, I've gotten so much safer. I mean, it's amazing how uh, the, the speed limit all of a sudden is, is really the speed limit. It's not an extra five miles. I mean, there are all sorts of things that I'm doing, and I'm realizing how bad I am. Uh, you know, um, how we apply God's word is so very important because out of our tongue comes life and out of our tongue comes death. And just because we apply the word as we see it, it doesn't mean we're sending, giving people life. We have to, you know, God says clearly to choose life. And our words, we were talking about this as we were walking in. We have to learn to choose life. And I, I'm convinced after this week of hearing some things that we have to uh, have a class, a workshop, on how to talk. Because, it, first of all, it's not ta taught. Second of all, very few of us get it right. And it just is so irritating, the fact that I feel so strongly about this and can still get it wrong. <laughs> so here, this is one of my things about how we speak to one another. And it's so irritating that I can still do it wrong when it means so much to me. And more importantly, I believe it means a lot to God. So I think what I'm saying to you is this. I believe we are to obey all of Scripture from Genesis to Revelation. I believe that we, if you want to say, are you under the law? My response, especially to pastors who have asked me that, because that's their first question to me, are, are you under the law? I understand you're Jewish. I say, absolutely, I'm under the law. I, I, I try and love God and love my neighbor. Are you under the law too? I just figure that's, because if I told them how I felt, you're going to ask me that when I said I believe that Yeshua is the Messiah? That's sort of my New York coming out. <laughs> so, but I, I have to change that and be a little more creative 
and not try and offend every pastor I meet who asks me that question. <laughs> so what we have to do is, is learn this. Um, I do believe that the two most important laws are to love God and love your neighbor. The, un the fortunate or unfortunate thing about that is the entire Bible explains how to do those two things. And that's why we're so bad at it, is because it's a lot. It's a lot. It's hard. It's, it's hard to worship God the way he wants. It's hard to love your neighbor as yourself, especially when they're irritating. <laughs> but that's what I believe God's calling us to do. In these days, your dependence on the Holy Spirit, the Ruach HaKodesh, is paramount. It is the most important thing that you have to do to call on the power of God's Spirit to be with you moment by moment and day by day because without that, it will be even worse trying to keep the two laws of Messiah. Love God. Love your neighbor. Let me pray. Father, I thank you and praise you, Lord, for your word. None of it None of it, not one iota will return void, but it will accomplish what you've set it to do. And I thank you, Lord, for every part of your word, even those words that I don't understand. Because I know that as I work at it, you will give me wisdom and discernment. And you will give it not only to me, but to others. And our goal is love from a pure heart. That's your commandment, to love from a pure heart, not allowing discussions to be a reason not to love, as it talks about in Timothy. So Father, I pray for each and every person here, number one, to have a desire to love, because I think we don't. Secondly, I, I pray that you will give us vehicles, tools, so that we can learn how to love. Because loving is, is difficult. Number three, I, I pray that we'll get way better than we're doing today on how to love. I pray that the power of your spirit will just be poured down upon us so that your laws would truly be written in our heart, that we would not sin against you, as it talks about in Psalm 150, uh, 119. So Lord, I thank you for this day. As we go to worship, I ask, O oh Lord, that the worship would be amazing. 
not so much, well, yeah, the, the worship can be amazing in terms of what they do, the technical aspects, but I pray that the worship will be amazing in our hearts, that our hearts and our minds will be focused on you, and that will be the beginning of our greater love for you in our lives. Thank you, Lord, in the name of Yeshua.